just just knowing that the Spirit of the Lord is saying to the church today, he needs a voice. God needs a voice. Now, God can speak audibly, but how many know that that's not how he usually does it? He speaks through his word, right? But if he wants to to speak to... To people, he uses people. The Bible says, how can, they he- how can they hear if they don't have a preacher? Amen? Well, that doesn't mean a pastor or five-fold ministry. That means somebody that will speak the word. In other words, a voice. And God wants you to be his voice. God says, I need your voice. Isn't it wonderful to know that God needs us to do something for him? The, the God that does everything and can do everything, he still needs us. Now, he can do it without us, but he wants to involve us so that not only will we grow, but people will grow around us and we'll change our circumstances. So we're going to go through a lot of scriptures tonight, so hang on, and let's just find out what God says about needing a voice. If you look in the Old Testament, that's before they had the Holy Spirit. So how did God speak to his people? Through the prophets. Amen. Through the book of the law. Didn't he? Through the high priest. But in the new covenant, he has come into our hearts and he speaks to us through his spirit and through his word. Amen. But God will talk to you. You are not just, you know, well, you know, I know God talks to her and God talks to him. But I don't think God talks to me. I, I remember thinking that when I was first saved. I'm telling you, I was around people and, uh, you know, they'd say, well, the Lord told me such and such and the Lord told me such and such. And I'd think, he didn't tell me nothing. You ever felt like that? I guess I'm just not much because he don't say nothing to me. In fact, before I got born again, the girl that actually was instrumental in getting me to the place, the retreat where I went to get born again, she, for the year before, she was always saying, well, the Lord told me this morning, and the Lord told me this, and listen, I was raised in church, and we didn't talk like that, and I thought, you are Looney Tunes. It, it's not the Lord, it's your brain, and you are crazy. I never said that to her. I just smile. You know how people smile at you now, right? <laughs> and in the South, they go, bless your heart. <laughs> and if they think you're really crazy, they go, bless your darling heart. <laughs> just give you a little hint in case you go to the South. So I didn't know that God talked. In fact, some of you have heard my testimony of the day I got born again. It was a Saturday morning. And the next morning, they're giving communion. And I'm in line for communion. And the preacher and his wife are coming down the line. And he gets to me and he stops. Now, this girl member that had, had, she's always hearing God, she wants to be a missionary. Me, I was raised poor. I, I had, my mama worked in a warehouse for minimum wage. My daddy was sick. I had to work, and I had to be a mama, and I had to do all that stuff and, and uh, like, take care of stuff at home while my mama was gone. And I decided, man, when I get out of high school, I'm going to get a degree, and I'm going to make lots of money. And in 
in my little brain, I thought missionaries were like the poorest people on earth, except for the poor people that he went to minister to, and they were just, they were just poor. So she wanted to be a missionary, and I was like, <laughs> you're going to be poor the rest of your life. So I, it never crossed my mind to be a missionary. And they got to me, and he stood before me, and he said, I see you in front of uh, people with brown skin, lots of people with brown skin. You're not, uh, and they don't speak your language. They're, they're, it's another nation. And uh, I, just, I just interrupted him. Because I thought he was just talking. You know, just yep, yep. So I said, excuse me, you want to talk to her? <laughs> I didn't know. We never had that in my church. And so I said, excuse me, you want to talk to her? You, I said, you must be talking to her. And he said, young lady, this is the word of the Lord come to me saying. And I just said out loud. God talks. <laughs> There's another thing I didn't know. I thought he said all he wanted to say, it is finished, amen. I mean, the Bible ends with amen. That's it. He didn't have any more to say. Does some of y'all think like that? And then it really bothered me because he said God was saying it. And I'd just been born again one day. 24 hours, and God was calling me to the mission field. <laughs> and I was going, okay. And so I tried to go to Guatemala because I'm from Texas. You want to go where it's hot? There was a crazy preacher up here named David Bounds who said, why don't you come to Canada? I laughed. He said, there's brown-skinned people in Canada. I laughed. I'll never go to Canada, I said. It's too cold. So try to go to Guatemala. They, they were needing people. The they, missionaries were there talking, and they said, we need people to come help. I went up to them after the service. I thought, I'm the best you could get. I said, I'll go. They, they turned me down. <laughs> I was crushed. But God had a plan he, because he needed a voice. He needed my voice in a particular place. And that's why it's important that you know where you're supposed to be. That God's got a place for you. And he, need, he's not, he just doesn't need a body to take up a seat. He needs a voice. He needs someone to declare the word of the Lord. He needs someone that will pray and make intercession. A voice. Look at Jeremiah 1. Verse 9. God's talking to Jeremiah and says, Then the Lord stretched out his hand and touched my mouth. You'll see in the old covenant, God touches their mouth or an angel touches their lips. There's an importance to that. It's, it's a symbol. Behold, I put my words in your mouth. See, I have appointed you this day over the nations and over the kingdoms. Isn't it interesting? He's appointed him, but the first thing he does is anoint his mouth. When you have authority... You've got to use your mouth to pluck up and to break down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. Now, we don't have time to go into this, this scripture, but it's saying 
He's he's saying in a you can see it by the first part of it. He's saying use your words to break down the the bondages of the people, to break down these things that have held the people, to break down these gods that are over the people. Use your words. Jeremiah, speak the word, proclaim the word of the Lord. And then when that's done, use your words to build and to plant. See, God doesn't take away without putting something back. Amen? Well, you know, maybe you were like this or you had family like this. I had family like this that said, or friends like this that said, well, you know what, I'd become a Christian, but then I'd have to give up such and such. And that's when you say, bless your darling heart. (laughs) Because they don't see what they will receive. They just see what they're going to have to give up. Amen? I'm telling you, if you get really born again, radically saved, like I did, I never gave another thought to what I was giving up. I was so excited. I I didn't want to do those things I did last weekend. I was a new creation. Old things were passed away. Everything was new. Amen? And so that's what you want. You want to have your words that will tear down the things that the enemy has built. But build and plant what God wants. Amen? And that's where you use your words. That's your voice. God spoke to Reinhard Bonnke. If y'all know who he is, a great evangelist. It's just one... I, I couldn't, hundreds of thousands of people to the Lord, maybe millions. But God said to Reinhardt, he said, my word in your mouth is just as powerful as the word in my mouth. That's big. Because how did the universe get created? God said, and it was. Look at Genesis 1, you know. God said, and it was. God said, and it was. God said, and it was. So the whole universe was formed by God using his voice. And he's saying, my words in your mouth are as powerful as my words in my mouth. Why? Because when we speak God's word, God anoints that word. Amen? We, we have the creator in us. And that's why once you get born again, your words have more power both ways, good and bad, because you're a new creation. So when you, maybe you used to say, you know, I'm broke, I'm sick, all that stuff, and you got born again, those words, you're responsible for them now. They have more power than they had before you got born again. But if you'll speak the word of God, I'm telling you, it will destroy Tear down all those words that you spoke over yourself, that people spoke over yourself. Amen. My mother used to say, I was an accident going someplace to happen. And she said it all the time. And you know what? I was always having accidents. I, I was, you know, when I was younger, I was always cutting myself, doing, falling off, getting run over by bicycles and all this kind of stuff. Then I got where I was driving a car. Well, I was wrecking cars. My mom would say, you're just an accident going someplace to happen. Well, I was. But I got born again, and I started saying, I'm a blessing going someplace to happen. And I took, I dug up those words my mama said. 
those are not those are not what God says about me. I you know what? I just declared I am not an accident going someplace to happen. But you know, my mama didn't know the power of words. Thank God we are learning, amen. So when I had children, I knew what not to say. I knew my children will tell you that I just did not say things like that over them because I knew better. I didn't didn't say, you are born to lose. (laughs) Some people tattoo that on them. I tell you, if you have that tattooed, I think they can fix something. I don't know anything about tattoos, but do something. Get it off from you. Amen? Isaiah 42, you don't have to read this. 4222, just put in your notes. A people robbed and plundered in bondage with no one to deliver them, with no one to say, restore. God says there's a people. He's talking about a particular people. But we see that God's saying he needs somebody on the earth that's going to shout out, restore. You know, when we were praying over Josh and Leah's uh, basement situation on Sunday and over the Dodds on the roof situation, you know, We were declaring restore, but somebody had to say it. Amen? The body of Christ comes together with one mind, one heart, and one voice. And we speak together. There is great power in that. Amen? So we, God's saying, there's no one to say restore. I'm looking for someone to say restore. You know what? You need to make that one of your words that you say. If you have broken relationships, if you have things that the enemy's taken from you, it could be relationships, it could be money, it could be children, it could be whatever, you declare restore. God said, I'm looking for someone. He's talking about people who were robbed, plundered, in bondage, and they had no one to say restore. Well, see, there's people out here in our neighborhood that that's, the enemy has stolen from them, robbed them. They're in bondage. And if we just sit in our nice little church and go, well, praise the Lord, but we're not concerned about them, we don't care about them, then who's going to call out restore for them? We must. We must. First Peter 4.11, God puts the responsibility on us. He's talking about serving in the church, but being just being a christian he says whoever speaks is to do so as one who is speaking the utterance of god whoever speaks is to do so as one who is speaking the utterances of god or or another uh, translation says the oracles of god so when we speak we have to understand that we are speaking as god's ordinances or oracles or utterances amen paul said pray for a door of utterance to open for me Why? Because God needed Paul's voice. But there was enemies to come in to stop his voice. I've had the enemy try to stop my voice. Have you? He'll bring up things. Even literally, I I was last January a year ago, I was to I was having a healing meeting, two, in two different cities, and I had no voice. That always goes over well. Hello, bless the Lord. God wants to heal you tonight. Well, you could just get, you know, like, oh, you know, get self-conscious and go, well, I can't have the healing meeting. I just said, 
Watch out, devil. I had my little tea, and I would drink my tea, lemon and honey, and I, would, I thought it's, it can't stop the anointing. And he's not, if I have to take that microphone and put it right in my mouth and speak the word, I'm going to do it. And you know what? We had marvelous healings. The one night, uh, that's how it went with a, that was in Oklahoma, Mississippi and, uh, did that. And then I went to Texas to see my mom and then I was doing a healing meeting in, uh, Virginia. My mother went to heaven the night before I was supposed to do the next morning meeting. Uh, but you know what? I did the meeting. I was still, <coughs> I mean, they didn't even want to come near me. But the anointing of God broke the yoke. And spirit of grief wasn't on me because I knew where my mama was. And I refused to go there. And I refused to let the devil say I couldn't have a healing meeting when I couldn't talk. But I understood he tries to steal our voice. You know, when the, the Bible talks about the sower sows the, the word, you know, Jesus was talking about that parable, and he said the sower sows the word. Well, the way we sow the word is with our voice. Amen? And so what we are doing is we, we are uh, getting revelation of God out in the world with our voice. And the enemy tries to stop it. But he can't stop it if we won't let him. Amen? Mark 1, verse 2, talking about, uh, it's actually quoting from Isaiah, Isaiah 40, and it's talking about John the Baptist. Now, there's a guy that had a voice. He, you know what? I was thinking of this when I was praying over this this week. I mean, I knew that I was going to be doing this. And I was thinking about old John the Baptist. You know, today they say, well, you got, you know, you got to have like a coffee bar out front. You got to have, you know, billboards. You got to have television. You got to have all this, you know, so people come to your church. And, I, and, and you know what? Nothing wrong with those things, by the way. But if, that, is that how, if that's your goal to get people to church and that's how you think it, if you, if you get them there, you better have something to give them. Instead of a cup of coffee, you better have something to give them. And so anyway... I was thinking about that, and I thought, John the Baptist went out into the wilderness. He ate locusts. He, he, he wore <laughs> not much. And um, he didn't care what you thought of him. And he, the, people, it said the people came out. They had, to, they had to purposely go. Someone said to us years ago, they said, why would God... Start a church in Lloyd Minster that's going to affect the world. Like God had spoken to them and said, this church will affect the world. They said, why didn't God pick one that had an international airport? Well, I don't know. I just think God's smarter than us. And by the way, God can certainly translate us to another place. We don't have to have an airplane. If God wants to do that too, that's okay. But the point being is John the Baptist was out there and he was just using his voice. The Bible says he was crying out in the wilderness. That doesn't mean he was boohooing. That means he was shouting. Listen, don't you understand? There weren't people there when he first started doing that. He's out there all by himself. Probably, remember his parents were old when they had him. They were probably already dead. 
He's just out there. And the word says, says, as it is written, Isaiah the prophet, behold, I send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, make ready the way of the Lord, make his path straight. And Isaiah, the one he was quoting, it says, clear the way for the Lord in the wilderness, make smooth in the desert a highway for our God. That's what he was doing. He was saying, Make straight a path for God. Well, what happened? Jesus came out to where John the Baptist was. Jesus says to John the Baptist, baptize me. Well, John the Baptist says, you should baptize me. He says, no, you baptize me. And when he was baptized, what happened? God spoke from heaven and said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Amen? Amen. So God had sent John the Baptist to make the way. You know, our voice in praise and worship, that's what's so important that we praise and worship God. We're not here for a show. We're not here to see how, oh, how are they going to do tonight? It's not a spectator sport. We are all, from the youngest to the oldest, to worship and praise the Lord. As Kim brought out tonight, the word says, if you're breathing, you ought to be praising. That's the brownie translation. <laughs> but it's the truth. God created us that way. You know what? Little Moses, he, you know, he was at my house the other day, and he was a little cranky. He was needing a nap, and he's hardly ever cranky, but he was needing a nap, so he was kind of, <laughs> so I just took him, and I started singing just out of the spirit. I mean, I wasn't singing any song I knew, just singing out of the spirit, uh, blessings over him, singing the word over him. And he just stopped and he was going. I thought, you are created to praise the Lord. Children, isn't that right? Children automatically will praise the Lord. They have to be taught that and maybe sometimes they're not even taught, they observe other people that don't praise the Lord, so they say, well, it's not cool. But let me tell you, they're, you look at babies, they're created. They just do it. They just do it because we were created to use our voice to sing praises. Why? What's one of the reasons? The Bible says that when we praise the Lord, the enemy is stopped. I'm telling you, you want to stop the enemy? You want the devil to get out of your house? You just start praising the Lord. Crank her up. One time when I first got saved, I mean, listen, I came from a church where you just didn't get loud at all. I mean, that was just not done. And I was so happy that I could be loud and so happy I could praise the Lord. But when I praised the Lord, I would speed because I just wasn't paying attention. And so one day I'm, I had this little, uh, little uh, cougar, and I'm driving down my little cougar, and uh, I'm raising, no, it was a Dodge Charger that time. I had a Dodge Charger, brand new one, and I was raising my hands and just praising the Lord and just not paying attention. And then the policeman gets behind me, and I pull over, and I'm still so happy. Like, <laughs> I just got pulled over. So he says, Young lady, what's the big hurry? I said, no hurry. I'm just so happy that I wasn't paying attention. He looked. He said, what are you happy about? 
Well, he didn't know he was going to get, my voice was going to come out. I'll tell you what I'm happy about. You might have pulled me over about a year ago, but I'm not that person anymore. Praise the Lord. Because God wants us to prepare a way, and with praise and worship, we prepare a way. I'm not saying speed like that. I learned how to set a cruise control. But I learned that speeding was sinning, so I learned not to do that. But you can still praise the Lord. Amen? So you, it, the, my point there is praise and worship is like intercessory prayer. Praise and worship, that's why we do it before the word. You know what? It prepares the way. That's why you're not going to hear songs up here that's going to talk about, you know, <laughs> some through the fire, some through the flood, but all through the mud or something. I don't know how it goes, but. I don't know. It was a song somebody sang, but we're not singing songs that don't line up with the Word of God. If they don't line up, we're not going to sing them. I don't care how popular they were. I don't care how your mama sang it, your grandma sang it, and it made everybody cry. We're not going to do it because we're preparing the way. And that's why God spoke to our church, spoke to Jonathan uh, a few years back, two or three years back, and said, sing songs about me instead of songs about you. Because that's the kind of songs that were being written, popular in, in, our, you know, in our genre then. It was, you know, uh, you know oh, I'm, I can't even sing them. But anyway, they were about us. It's okay to sing songs about that if you turn it toward you know like David in the Psalms I mean read the Psalms sometimes he was like I lie on my bed and tears soak my bed and you go oh brother why is this in the Bible but at the end of the Psalm he talks about how great God is you know so let's if you do get it to where God delivers you amen so that's praise and worship is using our voice to prepare the way so that when the word is preached, all our garbage that we brought in, our stuff from the world that's still on us, has come off from us. That's why the Bible says that the instruments can prophesy. Now, how can instruments prophesy? Anointed musicians who want to prepare a way for the Lord. We'll pray. I, when I used to do the piano, I would pray, God, I thank you today. You anoint my brain. You anoint my hands. And God, let my instrument prophesy today. And when I play, may evil spirits flee, people be healed, people be delivered for your glory. I can't explain it in the natural, but I just know that it's what the word says. And so it, when we're doing praise and worship, many times those, those words of those songs will start ministering to us. And it'll be just what God wants us to hear that day. You know, how many, they start singing that, you know, when I'm overwhelmed. And, you, you know, that, I don't even, what song is that? Like, talks about being overwhelmed. And what is that song, Rhonda? Hmm? Yeah, God, I look to you. 
have you ever, I won't be overwhelmed. Have you ever felt overwhelmed when they start singing that song and you go, I won't be overwhelmed. But by the end of the song, you're not overwhelmed anymore because you've used your voice to get victory. Amen? And they've used their voice to bring victory. God's looking for a voice. Amen? God's looking for a voice. Matthew 11, 23, 24, great scripture, one of the ones that you should know by heart. It says, truly I say to you, whoever says... That's using your voice to this mountain, be taken up and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says is going to happen. It will be granted him. Therefore, I say to you, all things for which you pray and ask, believe that you have received them and they will be granted you. God says, whoever says, you're going to have to use your voice. You know what? You cannot wish the mountain to go, can you? I just wish that problem would go away. I wish, oh, I just wish I didn't have that problem. Wishing and hoping, hoping and dreaming doesn't work. Might make a top 10 record, but it won't work. You got to have the word of God. Amen. You got to speak to that mountain. As, as one uh, preacher friend of mine said, if you don't talk to your mountain, your mountain will talk to you. Have you ever had your mountain talk to you and tell you how great it is and how big it is and how it's not moving? But Jesus said, if you'll speak to the mountain and you won't doubt in your heart, it will move. Glory to God. Glory to God. Mountains move. When we speak to them, they do not move when we talk to everybody in the, you know, on the telephone and say, what am I going to do? This is a mountain. I'm telling you, a mountain. I got a mountain of debt. Have you ever heard anybody say they have a mountain of debt? I just want to say, speak to your mountain. What are you doing with a mountain of debt? Speak to it. It has to obey you. Amen? But you got to believe in your heart. Mark Hankins, a great man of God, says this, never run at your mountain with your mouth closed. Lots of people are running around with their mouth closed. Listen, the, the majority of the body of Christ doesn't know the power of their mouth, the power of their tongue, the power of their words. They've never been taught that. I went to church for 24 years every time the door opened. I never heard it taught. And I'm telling you, we said all the wrong things at my house. Amen? But God comes in, and he changes. Remember in Mark 16, it says, they who believe. Listen, I think that every church, if you're going to call yourself a church, especially if you're going to call yourself a spirit-filled church, you need to have that in the, in the hearts. You need to make sure people know because that's what every person in that church ought to be doing. I, I didn't intend to turn there, but let's look at Mark 16 real quick and remind ourselves what Jesus said. One of the last things he said on this earth, I think when someone says something right before they leave, you ought to listen, Right? Now, a lot of people, a lot of, a lot of churches, a lot of preachers quote verse 15. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. 
He who has believed and has been baptized shall be saved. He who has disbelieved shall be condemned. And they stop right there. Is that right? But Jesus didn't stop right there. He said these signs will accompany those who have believed. Now, how many have believed? Your believers, you have believed. All right, so this is what's supposed to accompany you. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will pick up serpents, and if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. This is what we're supposed to be doing. This, is, this doesn't say, and those that are called in the fivefold ministry shall do this. It says those who believe. Amen. Listen, I learned that that first weekend I got saved. I, I was ready to cast out a demon. I didn't know what it looked like. What it, I didn't know what, how you did it, but I read, the, I read that. In fact, I went to buy a Bible at, because I only had this little white Bible that I'd been taking to church all my life, you know, little little girl Bible that little girls took to church. It was real cute. We never opened it, but it's pretty. My mama wanted me to have a little white Bible because I had little white gloves. and had to have a little white Bible. So I went and got I born again. I went to the Christian bookstore. I want a Bible. And this is, a, this is a scripture I wanted to know. Is that in that Bible? And you know, the first Bible I picked up, it wasn't in that Bible. I looked at it, and I looked at the lady. She's standing there to help me. I said, where's Mark 16? She said, that's Mark 16. I said, where's the part about speaking in tongues and casting out demons, laying hands on sick people? She went, oh, honey, that's not in the Bible. Well, I'd only been saved like three days. So I ran to the house of the people that led me to the Lord. I looked at a Bible, Mark 16 is not all, all in there. It's like not there. Oh, they had to explain it to me. And I had to realize, you know what? It is the word of the living God, and I'm going to do it. And I'm not buying that Bible. I had to ask them, what kind of Bible do you buy? Well, you don't, I'm not going to tell you the ones they tell you. Anyway. Look at Zechariah if you can find it. If you don't, look in your index. Don't you love when the preacher says Zechariah, Hezekiah, Jonah? Well, Rhonda's got, Rhonda and Kelly, they're teaching the kids all the books of the Bible. So, like my kids, they had to learn the books of the Bible like several times in their elementary years and so, but see, I never learned it because in the church I went to, they didn't care if you knew the books of the Bible. You didn't open your Bible, so why do you need to know the books of the Bible? So, I, I remember we just came to pastor in Lloydminster. Just, we were just intern pastors, you know, intern. And um, we, you know, we weren't the real pastors. We were just helping. And I remember we were meeting in a Chinese restaurant. I forgot what it was named in the basement for, on a Wednesday night. And the teacher was teaching the youth the books of the Bible. Now, I'm the pastor's wife or intern pastor, and I, I went to David and said, I need to be in the youth department. He said, why? And I said, I don't know that I know. I, I, I kind of know where they are in the Bible, but I can't say them like they can say them. I was embarrassed. But you know what? That's why our kids are learning the books of the Bible 
because it's important that you know your Bible. But don't ever be ashamed to look in the index. I'd rather look in the index and not... And the, okay, this is what some people do, and how do I know it? Because I used to do it sometimes too. They'd say, you know, look at, you know, whatever, Zechariah. Let's say Zechariah. Well, I kind of knew it was in the Minor Prophets. So if I couldn't find it before he started preaching it, I'd just pretend. Have y'all ever done that? Finally, God told me, just look in the index so you can call. What will they think? Well, praise the Lord. I know my books of my Bible now, but praise the Lord. God's looking for a voice. Then he said to me, Zechariah 4, verse 6. Then he said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Johnson's always talking about naming your kids. There's a name, Zerubbabel saying, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. What are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you will become a plain, and he will bring forth the top stone with shouts of grace, grace to it. In the Amplified, it says, oh, what are you, O great mountain of human obstacles? If you've got obstacles in your life, you're going to have to speak to that obstacle. And he's saying the grace of God will come in there and push it out. Amen? The grace of God gives you the power to do what you can't do. Thank God for the grace. Amen? But you carry authority in your mouth, right? We looked at Proverbs last week, 1821, said that life and death are in the power of the tongue, and those that love it will eat the fruit of it. Life and death are in your tongue. That's, that's what the Bible says. So that means if I want life, I'm going to have to speak life. And if I speak death, I'm going to get death. Is that what it says? Well, let's read what God says. Deuteronomy 30. Remember Deuteronomy? This is when God is showing the people that he's putting down the laws. He's putting down how they can live a successful life. God, this is before Jesus. God wanted his people to prosper. God wanted his people blessed. Read it. Deuteronomy 28 said, if you'll do what I tell you, you're going to be blessed in the city. You're going to be blessed in the field. You're going to be blessed in the fruit of your womb and the fruit of your cattle. You're, he talks about the blessings. And this is before the new covenant. How much more are we supposed to be living under the blessing? Amen. Deuteronomy 30 verse 14, 15 says, but the word is very near you. The word is very near you in your mouth and in your heart that you may observe it. See, I've set before you today life and prosperity and death and adversity. He says, here's your choice, guys. Here's life and prosperity. That's what God said. I set before you. It's like a table. He says, here's life and prosperity on this side. And on this side, here's death and ad adversity. And he gives you a choice. Now, we would say, who would choose this side? But we make that choice how? With our mouth. Amen? We have to choose Deuteronomy 30, verse 19. He says, this is God talking. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, the blessing and the curse. So choose. this is an open book test. 
You ever been in school and they were going to have a test? Weren't you glad when they said it's an open book test? Oh, praise the Lord. I call heaven to earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, the blessing and the curse. So choose life in order that, here's a really important thing, in order that you may live, you and your descendants. So if I make the right choice, it's going to affect me, but it's going to affect my children. It's going to affect my children's children. It can go on for generations. The Bible says the, the generations of the righteous are blessed up to a thousand generations. And really, when you look in the original, that just means continually. Amen? So he said, why would you choose death or curses? Because it, it, the same way that the blessing will come, the curse can come. When we, when we looked in, my brother did genealogy, and when we were looking early on in my dad's family, and as far as I knew, my dad and his family, his immediate family, he was the only one saved. And he got saved because the people of the church, the little church, just kept loving on my mom and daddy. And so my daddy got saved. And, and uh, so when my daddy passed away, nobody, none of his brothers or sisters were born again. They, they were a family that never went to church. They just they had no use for church except, you know, if someone died or something. But, but God put it in my heart because I, I wasn't born again when my daddy died. But when I got born again, I said, I'm going to get my daddy's family saved. And one by one, they got saved. But you look back in his family, there just wasn't people that were church people. There weren't people. We finally have found some. But with my mama... I mean, like, there was all kinds of Christians there. Well, so we get to choose right now, right where we are, we get to make a choice what our genealogy will be from this point on. doesn't matter if you came from unbelievers. doesn't matter if you came from believers. You get to make the choice. And so you choose life so that you will live and your descendants. Isn't it important that we choose life? Can't you understand that if you, you make wrong choices, it'll affect you and it'll affect your children? Because they watch you. I don't care if they're 50 years old, they're watching you. And if you make wrong choices, they see it. But here's a good thing, the blood of Jesus. Thank God for the blood, amen? So we can go, and when we make wrong moves and we make wrong choices... And our children know about it. You know what? You can go to your children and say, that was a wrong choice. I made a wrong. I didn't, I didn't seek God. I, I did this. You know, in our society here in Lloydminster, let me tell you, the God of Mammon is very powerful in this area, but God's bigger than the God of Mammon. God's bigger. God's greater. But lots of people in our region make choices based on money. You make choices based on money, then you're going to have to live with choices based on money. And money will never satisfy. But if you serve God, what we read earlier in the offering, you serve him, he'll give you everything you need. He'll bless you more than any job could ever bless you. Do you know when you look at all these people with lots of money, you look at Hollywood, they die. They're, 
they're alcoholics or drug addicts. Very few Christians in that. There are Christians, but very few. But they have lots of money. But that doesn't mean God is against money. He's against the love of money. The love of money. The Bible doesn't say money is the root of all evil. It says the love of money. So God wants you blessed. He wants you out of debt. He wants you to have a nice home. He wants you to have nice vehicles. He wants you to have, the Bible says, he wants to bless you so you can be a blessing. Listen, if you're barely paying your bills, you can't pay someone else's bills. But boy, it blesses my heart when I hear, like I heard one of my children say this last week. I can't wait till we have no mortgage and we pay off other people's mortgage. That's the heart of God. But you'll never get there if you go, well, Lord, I just need enough to pay the mortgage this month. No, just believe God. He wants to bless you. And speak it with your mouth. I don't care if you came from poor situations. It doesn't matter because you're in a new family now. You're in a blessed family. You know, there's a scripture that says that, that God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Well, now, Brother Eric could he could relate to that more than me but I mean there's been times when I've said God sell a cow <laughs> uh, I don't know how much it's worth but God I need a cow sowed you own them and I need them I don't want the cow I want you to sell the cow amen because I have it in me God's got whatever I need and if I need something, I know how to get it. I plant a seed. You will never get financial prosperity in your life if you're not working God's financial ways. Give, and it shall be given unto you. You know what? You, do, you don't get financial blessing by saying, okay, I, I, you know, I need, some, I need finances, so come up here. And I'm going to go up to the front and ask them to lay hands on me. You never see God say, lay hands on the poor people. And they'll get money. He tells the poor people what to do. And there are times that we go through financial lows. But I tell you, if you'll just be faithful to God, you'll come out on top. And you'll be on the high again. Amen. Don't ever get discouraged. Amen. But use your voice. Moses, remember when God said, I need somebody to go into Pharaoh and say, let my people go. Well, Moses stuttered. Moses said, well, why are you talking to me? <laughs> you know, Moses, he, he, he had been in the Pharaoh's home. He was raised as a child in the home, remember? Pharaoh's daughter found him in the basket, brought him into the palace. But he killed somebody, and he ran to the desert. He didn't want to go back. God says, I need somebody. So, you know, you'd think, God, okay, look, this guy, everybody knows who he is. He's already committed murder. And he stutters. People go. And he'd say, you don't want to use me, God. Well, we've all felt like that. Why, why would you ask me to go talk to that person? I mean, I'm sure there's somebody better. But God chooses the ones he will, can anoint. And he chooses the weak to confound the wise. And so never, never try to question God. He's got it planned. Do you know, I don't think Moses ever stuttered again. 
because he obeyed God. But, you know, they did send his brother Aaron to help him. But you don't see Aaron talking when they get there. Aaron's not doing the talking. Moses is doing the talking. Well, what happened? Obedience made a way for his voice to be heard. So you obey God, he'll make a way for your voice to be heard. But if you won't obey God, your voice will not be of any importance. You know that? People don't listen to you. The proverb says that people won't listen to a poor person, but a person with money they'll listen to. That used to make me mad because <laughs> I thought, that is just not fair. Because God loves the poor people as well as he does the rich people. Isn't that right? God's no respecter of persons. I thought that's not right. Well, he's not saying this is what God says. This is not how God anoints people. But he's saying that people will listen to people that are successful. Isn't that right? That's how it works. You know, you, someone puts up a poster, I'm going to have a success uh, seminar this weekend. You know, it says I owe like $2 million in debt and my family's broken up and how many are going to line up for that? But you got someone and says, you know what? I was poor and now I'm not. And oh, people go hear that. Well, God, he's telling us, Paul said, it, I, I've learned how to be abased and how to abound. So when we have God as our source, it doesn't matter what our finances look like because God's our source. If he has to bring ravens to give you food, he will. He will. He will make sure you're taken care of. I saw people cringe. Okay. He, maybe he won't use ravens, but he'll use something. So God is looking for a voice. Why is he looking for a voice right now? Jesus is coming back. John the Baptist had a voice to prepare the way of the Lord, right? Now listen, here's how it works. Moses was, came to be the deliverer, right? He delivered God's people out of bondage, right? But what, did, what happened? They tried to kill the babies, didn't they, when Moses was a baby? But Moses had a word, and God saved his life so he could deliver God's people. But then you get to John the Baptist. Do you know John the Baptist was one of those little babies, little boy babies that they were trying to kill in those days. We don't know what, how God protected him, but I tell you, God protected him because he had to prepare the way of the deliverer. Well, the deliverer is coming back. Jesus is coming back. That's why there's a lot of babies dying. That's why abortion is, is just rocketed up. Why? That's what the devil does every time a deliverer is coming. You want to watch out for when Jesus is coming? Look to see how many babies. How, you know, the abortion rights. Look, at, that's just another sign. There's many signs that Jesus is coming, but that is a sign. But what happens when a deliverer is coming? God needs a voice to declare, make way for the Lord. Prepare the way. Make a straight path. That's what we're here for. Jesus is coming again. Do you want to be a voice that is silent and Jesus comes and people go to hell because we just didn't want to be bothered? I want to be a voice, don't you? Every one of us are, can be a voice. You can be a voice to people I'll never talk to. 
I can be a voice to people you'll never talk to. God's not looking for us to be a voice for everybody. He's looking for us to be a voice to those he puts in our path. Amen.